It's been a uh, it's been a cool series, uh, considering looking through the Gospel of Luke chapter eight and, uh, and considering uh, how we respond to God and what our response communicates to God. And uh, behind the scenes, or really in front of us, uh, God has been doing something crazy in our midst. Uh, can I share with you a few uh, numbers uh, with what's going on here at Wellspring? And uh, can I remind us that these numbers represent people, uh, lives being changed, lives being influenced not by any one person, but by the person of Jesus Christ and the preaching of his word. Here are some of the things going on. Last summer, 2018, we were averaging about 120 to 150 uh, adults in attendance. This summer, we have doubled, and we're averaging around 285, 300 in attendance. That's insane. The highest attendance we've had since launch was last week when our well youth person came out and preached and y'all showed up and we had our highest attendance non-easter that was awesome in our well kids ministry like she's able to put people on the moon she works for she's worked for nasa and now she's part of a ministry jillian where last summer there were 30 kids coming out on a weekly basis and this summer we've nearly doubled and we have about 55 young minds young kids coming out to experience a safe environment with, with background checks and, and whatnot, uh, volunteers. Mondays, we launched Mondays at the beginning of the summer. We've been seeing 100-plus people come out to Mondays, 100-plus adults. There's been times where the parking lot was full on a Monday night, uh, which was a crazy awesome thing. And like I said, last weekend we had 302 adults, 60 kids throughout the weekend. It was our highest attendance non-Easter since we launched. <laughs> and so, because of that, we are moving to four experiences <laughs> right now. We're going to keep Monday nights going uh, because it's reaching people, uh, unique people, awesome people. And uh, we're going to go back to 3 on Sunday, 9 a.m., uh, 10.30, and 12 o'clock. That's going to start September 8th. It's an awesome missional, uh, mission-critical thing for us. Why? Because I anticipate even further growth. We, we are growing in the summer. What church can say that? Only God. <laughs> and, and here we are. We're going into a season where people start going back to church. They start getting into routines. And we're going into two very missional, uh, mission-critical uh, series. And so we're going to move into uh, four experiences. I do believe it is mission-critical because our mission is to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. This is mission critical for us to open up seats for more people to come. I invite you to be a part of it. How will you be a part of it? You can share on social media the service times because heaven forbid somebody's going to show up on September 8th thinking that this was the service time and oh, I didn't know. And oh, you can help us by sharing, sharing about this because the four services will help people not feel overlooked. You can come here right now and feel overlooked. And so we need your help to share this. We need your help to volunteer and get involved with, with more opportunities. We need your help not only as we create space here for people to come out. Think about this. We have, we have awesome life groups. If you look through our list, there's not a sync partners. 
There's not a single life group that a family can go to right now because none of our life groups can offer childcare. The ones that offer childcare are all full. So partners, how can we open up life groups to reach families so that they can not only come here, but also go and grow deeper in a life group? Our next two series, church, will we take this seriously? Will it be mission critical as we hear about pray for one, or praying for people that don't know Jesus, and inviting them out, and sharing the gospel with them? And then we have another, the series right behind that is called Race Catholic. Y'all know any people that haven't been to Catholic church in a very long time, but they're Catholic? Y'all know anybody that are diehard Catholics, and last time they went it was when they were ccd or whatever like whatever they were like back in the day they went and that's all they know of jesus christ we hear it time and time again in starting points well i was raised catholic and this is what i think and the bible says what and so we want to do a series where we tackle baptism, communion, things of that nature, and, and talk about this is what the Bible says. And so as you pray for one, many of the people that you're praying for might actually want to come out and hear what the Bible has to say from their background. So will you invite? It's mission critical for us, for people not to feel overlooked. Because if we're looking to ignite a craving and someone feels overlooked by God, well, they crave God. It happens throughout our society all the time. You'll have the daughter, especially in today's society, the daughter that is craving attention from dad and doesn't get it and goes on to have quote-unquote daddy issues because they just want some attention. And now they go looking in all the wrong places. What about the teenager that craves attention from their mom or dad and they're not getting the attention they want from mom and dad and so they figure, they, they say to themselves, well, you know what? Bad attention is better than no attention at all and so they start going off and doing a whole bunch of bad things because in their mind it's this simple. I just need a little stinking attention. I feel so overlooked. This happens throughout society, and we're going to encounter two people today, a family and another, that, that feel overlooked. Might that be what we're feeling right now? Here's where we end this series now, uh, towards the end of Luke chapter 8. It says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. Like, think about just that first line. Jesus is one. There's a crowd not only welcoming him, but they're waiting. Jesus, we want more of you. It's gone from kind of like, okay, here comes Jesus, to that little John voice of like, okay, here's Jesus. This is exciting. That was my best little John voice. But here, they want Jesus. It's awesome. And now there came a man named Jarius. Jarius, I don't know, he, he can pronounce it for us later on, but who was the ruler of the synagogue? Falling at the feet of Jesus, a religious leader coming in humility, submission, reverence before Jesus, unique for the religious leaders of the day. And he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, his only daughter, my Reagan, about 12 years old of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went. And the people pressed around him. There was a crowd. This man, Jairus, didn't come as a religious elitist. He came as a dad with a sick young daughter. He comes to Jesus because that's how he's responding. Jesus, I have a great need. Nothing. I need you in this moment. Only you. Turning to him. What does that communicate to Jesus? Worship. And Jesus doesn't say my thoughts and prayers. 
Jesus doesn't say, oh, that sounds awful. I'll pray for you. That wouldn't be relentless love. Jesus is present in the moment. Jesus demonstrates his love by by being in the moment and doing something for this young man. He demonstrates his his compassion for the father as he he goes en route. This past weekend, as Jordan was preaching, people are shooting up other people in our society. Here's a meme, not a meme, here's a, here's a picture that went around uh, there. I don't know who this person is, but there is something deeply hypocritical about praying for a problem you are unwilling to solve. So as a society, we are shooting up people and responding with my thoughts and my prayers while blaming all the issues, well, unwilling to be a part of the solution. So if you're going to blame the guns, are you going to do something? Are you going to call a politician? Are you going to volunteer in, in, well, in the Well Kids Department, in our Well Kids Ministry, so that you can help shape young minds where when they face anger, they have experienced wellspring, they've experienced love, and they don't see guns as an option for their anger. Will you do something about it? You want to blame mental health, which is a real issue in our society. When was the last time you saw somebody struggling with mental health and said, I'll do something about it? I'll pay for you to go talk to somebody. Because oftentimes it's the payment that keeps people from going and getting the help. And if you want to blame the broken world that we live in, which I agree with, might it be time to preach the gospel? Might it be time to share Jesus? Because a world falling in love with Jesus doesn't go around shooting people. So I believe in our love one, love all mission. If I want well, Wellspring and if I want Tom's River to be a unique area defined by anything, and I don't want it to be Tom's River the next shooting. I want it to be, man, these crazy Christians going around loving any of everybody because that's our focal point. And so here's Jesus, sees a need, and he does something about it because this man turned to Jesus, believing Jesus could and Jesus would. And here's how now it goes on. It says, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, the same amount of time as Jairus' daughter has been alive. And though she had had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She's exhausted all of her resources. She's at her wits. She She has nothing else. She can do nothing else. And she came up. And and touched him on the fringe of his garment. Now people are going up to Jesus just thinking one touch of Jesus can change everything. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And when all denied it, this woman is embarrassed. The crowd doesn't know what's going on. Peter said, master, the crowd surrounds you. And you're pressing in uh, and are pressing in on you. Peter's kind of saying, Jesus, there's a big old crowd. You're bumping in a lot of people. A lot of people are touching you. I don't really know what the deal is, but could literally be anybody. <laughs> uh, but Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she could, was not hidden, she came, what? Trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and, and why she had been immediately healed. How embarrassing, but, but she's been healed. And Jesus said, daughter, 
In other places, this is a grown woman. In other places, Jesus would use the word woman, which would have been appropriate for the day, would have been okay for the day. But he doesn't use the word woman. He uses the word daughter. At that moment, what is, what is Jairus thinking? He's like, you just called her daughter. Hey, hey, Jesus, my daughter's dying. This, this pause, this, this investigation, my daughter, my daughter. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She has an issue where she's bleeding, 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 and that would make her deemed unclean. Where religiously she would not be allowed in in the temple. Religiously she would be an outcast. Religiously speaking, she would be unwelcomed. No, don't come around me. So whereas Jairus is a religious elite, she's not allowed probably in the temple in which Jairus would would be serving. Where she's had an issue for 12 years, Jerry's has a daughter who's 12 years old, where she for 12 years has not been allowed to know a man, Jerry's daughter is just about to come to the age for Jewish women where they're allowed to know a man. One is young, one is old. And both of them go to Jesus for help in various ways. But one woman doesn't have the same credentials as Jerry's doesn't have the same list of leadership, doesn't, doesn't have the ability to get Jesus' attention. So she thinks. And so they approach Jesus in different ways. And what would Jesus do? Would he only respond to the prominent leader, to the one that has, has a following probably himself? Or would he spend time at, for the one that is relatively unknown by society? <laughs> and so she bows down before Jesus, probably expecting rebuke. Probably expecting insults, probably expecting everything for her whole life, what has been said for her, just to be shunned. But instead, Jesus shows her kindness in the form of healing. In an instance, she is healed. This isn't a pro- In an instance, she is healed. In an instance, she goes from being shunned to being welcomed. Because that Jesus makes all the difference in the world. For 12 years, she has felt overlooked, and for now in this moment, Jesus has somebody before him that has a serious emergency and is now beginning to feel overlooked as that dad would feel. My daughter is dying. Jesus, conventional wisdom would say, this woman, although she has a serious issue, she's proven she can live with it. So Jesus, why don't we go heal my daughter? who is dying before she dies, and then we come back and take care of this woman. Conventional wisdom would say, deal with the most pressing issue, then come back. But Jesus stops and deals with this moment. Because really, whenever anyone else has a pressing issue, isn't that the most important thing in their lives in that moment? <laughs> no matter what anybody else thinks. My, uh, my, ki- my son, I, I can remember this because every... I think most fathers can remember that time where uh, your son goes to get a shot. Uh, it's time to go to the doctor and get your, your checkup and whatnot, and you have to willfully let your kids go through trauma. And, uh, and so I, 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 my brother's here visiting. I forget wherever he is. Some, he's someplace. I remember he's, he's my younger brother by like a year, a year and a half. And I remember him. Like we were in the doctor's office at six years old. He was probably five years old. And uh, he came running out of the doctor's office into the lobby in his undies because it was time to get a shot. And he was like, he wasn't having it. So he scrummed his way out and was like, in the waiting room. I was like, here's my brother in his undies. This is weird. And, uh, but I remember that time with Landon where Landon had had shots before. He knew it. And so as soon as he saw the doctor, come in with with the needle he looked at daddy (laughs) daddy help me (laughs) 
Daddy, a bad man is going to hurt me. <laughs> and then in his little mind, Daddy joined Team Doctor. <laughs> in his little mind, Daddy joined the enemy. Daddy had to hold him down and let him experience pain. And for how many years? 20 years? Will he understand that I did that for his good? <laughs> in that moment, he would never understand, this is for my good, you're just a jerk. Now you're a traitor. <laughs> And we can understand this from a child's perspective to a father's perspective. As a father, I was loving him in that moment. But what about God when we feel overlooked? Don't we go to him with much of that same thinking as Landon looked at me that day? And we would say, no, but Jason, come on. Like, we're adults here. Like, we have very real issues that we are dealing with. Jason, I understand the gap between an earthly child and an earthly father. I get that. But might I argue? That the wisest person in all the world has an infinitely larger gap in understanding between him and God. The gap is greater. And so God might be doing something. You might not feel love, but might God be doing something even when we feel overlooked by daddy? And here's how now our, our story now continues on. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, the worst news ever, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher uh, any anymore. Now feeling overlooked, and now his worst nightmare is true. His daughter is dead. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, said, Do not fear, only believe. Don't fear. Uh, replace fear and insert it with something else. Insert it with belief. Believe something can happen. Believe what? And she will live. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter him with him except Peter, John, James, and the father and the mother and the child. And all were all were weeping and mourning. Mourning would say that the funeral has already started to take place. That this is already, like she's been dead now for some, some time. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. <laughs> Only Jesus in this moment can make that statement from his perspective. No one else can say that. <laughs> and what did they do? They laughed. If you're the dad, I'm probably not laughing. I probably want to go to blows after that comment. <laughs> But they start laughing, showing their, their unbelief, knowing that, that she, was, she was dead. What, are they, what does the laughter communicate in their response? But taking her by the hand, it's hard to say that we're overlooked when Jesus has us by the hand. <laughs> and he called, saying, child, arise, and her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. Hey, it's been a rough few hours. Have a sandwich, okay? And, and her parents were amazed. And he charged them not to tell, to tell no one what had happened. Jesus wanted to control his fame. He was more than just a physical healer. He came to be a spiritual healer. Why does Jairus, why does he even let Jesus continue on the trip? And in that moment when he gets the news, Jesus, uh, Jesus, guess what? My daughter is dead. And, and, like, Jairus, why, why continue? Jesus, you already screwed this up by stopping and dealing with this woman. Where I'm, you're not welcomed in my house. I want to avoid you. I am overlooked by you. I want to overlook you now. But Jerry's believes something. In the most hopeless situation, only with Jesus can there be a crack of hope. And so he invites Jerry to continue on, and, or invites Jesus to continue on. And when Jesus is there, this isn't the first resurrection of a young child. We've looked at other ones. But when John, the, when John, John 
uh, John the Baptist or when, well, not John the Baptist, when Elijah and other prophets would do it, when, when Peter, or when, when others would, would be a part of something like this. You know what they had to do? They had to call on the God, call on God for resurrection. Do you see Jesus calling on anybody for resurrection? You don't. Why? Because he is the resurrection. It's his power that redeems us. It's his power that raises dead to life. But sometimes we're too busy to see it. A whole bunch of busy people that day, and some of them missed what Jesus was doing. Perhaps we feel overlooked because we're too busy to notice Jesus. This is a major issue in my marriage. I'm a type A type person. I, I'm, I'm going, going, going. I have my entire life, every meeting planned out <laughs> until October. <laughs> That's an issue. <laughs> and sometimes Ava and I will be struggling, and the struggle will become because I'm a jerk, <laughs> and I overlook my wife. I overlook that moment where she's sitting in front of me and just wants a hug. Just want to say, hey, how are you doing? But then Jason, shut up and listen. <laughs> and then I go, I don't respond well because my wife, when she feels overlooked, sometimes she responds like, I need a little attention. I'm going to get him some attention. <laughs> and it's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault for overlooking what is right in front of me and should be valued right in front of me. Who are we overlooking? And maybe it's time to slow down. And see what is before us. Maybe it's time to slow down and see Jesus in our midst. Jesus misses nothing this day. Jesus is not surprised by any of this. Jesus isn't overwhelmed. And what Jer Jerry's needed to learn in this moment is, yes, come to me. Bow and worship. But here's what the delay is going to teach you. Here, when you perceive silence, here's what it's going to teach you. If you trust that I can heal, you must also trust my timing in events. You must uh, trust that, that I'm going to do it on my timetable, not your timetable. The trust of my healing comes at trusting my timing. My God overlooks Nothing. Are we willing to trust his timing? Why is this important? Because in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, of what's going on, we get focused on the emotions of the situation. We get focused on the circumstances, and we lose sight of being focused on Jesus in our midst. Is that not, isn't it not emotions? Isn't it not feelings that drive these types of situations? Isn't that not what we say when we what overlooked? We feel overlooked. I feel overlooked. I feel overlooked. Because in the moment we get caught up in all of the emotions and what becomes felt, what is felt becomes the willful act. I feel overlooked by Jesus and so now I willfully and deliberately ignore him and avoid him and I want nothing to do with him. Perhaps we didn't see what was already in place. That's our big thought for us this morning. Our big thought for us this morning is don't overlook Jesus. He doesn't overlook you. Jesus is not overlooking you, even though the enemy might want to put every emotion, every feeling, every sense your way that would say, God is dead. God ain't around. God isn't in control. God this, that, the other thing. Emotion, emotion, feeling, feeling, feeling. I know my God is not overlooking a darn person in this room. I journaled, uh, I have a five-year journal where I write a little paragraph for each day so I can help remember what's been going on in my life and really helps me track what God has been doing in my midst over the last handful of years. And I 
was reading this, uh, this time last year, I was reading what was going on. I was struggling. I, was, I, was in the, I took a week to, to pray and to fast, and I was in the middle of that, that week of praying and fasting. I said, God, our numbers should be different. Like, we're, we're, we, we, like where, where are we failing? I'm like, God, why are, our, why are they 120, God? What is going on? And I was struggling. And so I, and I was like, hey, Toys R Us just closed shop. Why don't I walk around Toys R Us for a little bit? <laughs> And so I walked around seven times, Toys R Us, saying, God, please give me Toys R Us. <laughs> and uh, I journaled. And here's what I wrote in my journal. I, I wrote, I'm feeling silence from God. Is there sin in, in me? Is there sin in my camp? On paper, our results should be different. I, I remember calling my dad after that prayer walk and saying, God, why, isn't things, why aren't things different? <laughs> Dad, I'm hearing silence from, from God. And you know what God was doing? He wasn't, he was, Jason, here's my silence. Stop thinking about Toys R Us. <laughs> Perhaps I'm already doing something in the background. <laughs> Why don't you just be patient and wait? <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here. Here in this building. God was doing something. Where the enemy wants to use silence to communicate defeat, my God uses silence to build our trust. In death, where there is silence, oh, where is your sting? My God is a God of resurrection. His resurrection speaks in the midst of silence. Today, we are going to close in a moment and invite people to go out and to be baptized. You know what baptism is? It's a picture of death. You go down into the water. You're buried in the water, and you come up out of the water, resurrection. It's a picture of what we already believe in Christ Jesus. Death does not have the final word when Jesus is involved. So whether it's miraculous healing in this life or a miraculous healing of complete healing in heaven, death never has the final word when Jesus is involved. And so my challenge to us this morning is to respond in baptism. Christ says, put your faith in me. In the book of Acts, they would, they, would, they would place their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they would go and get baptized. And yet today, we have to have, certain, we have, to have a whole baptism ceremony to get people to come out to, to get baptized because we plan everything. You hit a baseball bat, and like blue powder or pink powder comes out. We plan everything. We don't get to the, the, the table and say, oh, it's a boy. We found out the day of. No, we plan everything out. So I know this is a little bit weird, but we'll give you a t-shirt. The t-shirts are coming up and we'll give you a, a towel and whatnot. But some of us have placed our faith in Jesus Christ but have never followed in obedience to publicly declare it through baptism. Today I invite you to do that. To come up here during this song and meet me and Alicia and uh, we'll grab your name. We'll give you a t-shirt. You'll get a towel outside and you'll go and you'll get baptized. It's going to be okay. You can survive a little wet clothes. Your cell phone will make it. We'll have people there to help you. <laughs> but some of you need today to go in baptism. And as a reminder publicly, I have not been overlooked by God. <laughs> baptism doesn't make you saved. It's what saved people do to publicly declare it. <laughs> so let's sing resurrection. You'll see pictures going on in the screen of people that have been baptized. If you see yourself, if you see somebody you know, cheer. It's something to celebrate. Ways 
Christ. Might there be more people that have experienced life change in Jesus Christ that have never gone the route of baptism. Might today be your day. Christ has not overlooked you. Let's continue singing.
checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.